are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to a Tuesday edition of Locked On NBA. I'm Wes Goldberg, and I'm here with my co-host Dave Ramil. And joining us today is Sports Illustrated Ben Golliver. We're going to talk about Kemba Walker going Super Saiyan, the Nuggets struggling, and look ahead to tonight's games. But let's start in Washington where Wizards GM Ernie Grunfeld is getting off the pot and putting his stars on the trading block. According to Woj, the Wizards are making John Wall and Bradley Beal available. They've already been open to shopping Otto Porter. Now, we've heard that Wall and Beal are doing the Jimmy Buckets and yelling at coaches and management during practices, and it sounds like the rebuild we've all expected for years now could be coming. Ben, do you think this is really the end of this version of the Wizards? I mean, these guys are trying so hard to get themselves traded. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's like the the behavior and practices that's been reported. That's one thing. But when you just watch them on the court, that's another thing. They don't talk to each other. They don't like playing together. There's zero chemistry. And, you know, even in their post-game comments on the record, it seems that they take shots at each other every single night. So I, it's great that all of this noise finally got through to Ernie. Congratulations. I'm glad he's paying attention. Um, but now we'll now we'll see, because here's the real issue. When you delay breaking up a core like they have, that often means uh, you either get pennies on the dollar in the trade or you have to wait until somebody becomes a free agent. Right. So like the Clippers are a great example from a few years ago. Uh, you know, Chris walks and they basically, you know, have to take back what they take back in the trade. You know, DeAndre walks for nothing and Blake, they wind up doing a, you know, kind of what they viewed as a salary dump at the time. And they're not really getting any superstar level players or even star level players back. Now, they're in a better place because of those moves. Uh, but still, like they were not operating on a super aggressive timeline when they sort of broke that thing up. You look at Washington, it's the same deal. I mean, the, the time to start breaking these guys up was, you know, a year ago, probably, uh, or at least this past summer. They didn't. And now they're just going to sort of be scrounging for whatever trade market they can get. Yeah, you look at that Clippers. The Clippers comparison is a good one. But the difference between the Clippers and the Wizards is that the Clippers don't have Ernie Grunfeld. The Clippers had Jerry West and some new management and a, and a good, you know, from everything that we've heard about that organization, of a more stable front office and a plan. And I don't know that the Wizards have that. We've heard in this report that, you know, they didn't even want to include a guy like Bradley Beal or even John Wall. Uh, in trades for Kawhi or Jimmy Butler. David, do you think that it's it's almost just too late for these guys? Like, maybe they could have upgraded. Maybe they could have... Maybe another comparison could have been what the Toronto Raptors did in breaking up the DeMar and, and Kyle Lowry thing. I, I, they might have missed the boat on that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is absolutely too late for them. And now it's just, up, like as Ben said, getting pennies on the dollar, trying to do what you can to kind of jumpstart a rebuild because you have to move these players. You're, you're looking to pay... Tens of millions of dollars to John Wall, who's frustrated not playing at a high level. You've got Bradley Beal there, who's the best years of his career are being wasted in Washington. Uh, and you just have to do what you can to move on from this. I'm not sure that there's any one of those players that you can keep. So it's just up to the uh, front office, whoever might be there to replace Ernie Grunfield at some point, to to kind of jumpstart this franchise and, and get them going towards the next phase of their development. Yeah, and I just don't know what that looks like. Because, again, I don't trust them to do... Like, like say you trade John Wall and Bradley Beal and Porter and you just get like and you just stock up on draft picks and you kind of just go that Celtics direction or the closest way you can to it. This is a guy that drafted Jan Vesely in 2011 with the number 6 pick. Like and ha- and has basically wow. screwed up every single draft pick that he's had. Um, you know, Beal and Wall notwithstanding and when it comes to like 
okay, maybe he tries to go get cap space. Well, this is a guy that gave Jan Mahinmi like $70 million. Like, I don't under, like, it's just, is it going to be that much better, Ben? I don't, like, what, what direction should this rebuild go? Well, I mean, I think you're, you're really getting to it, which is they should just move on from the guy who assembled this, bring in a new, you know, a new leader at the top and allow that guy to sort of, you know, overhaul this roster. I think the problem is the players don't want to wait for that and like t- until next summer, which is customarily sort of when you do those kinds of, uh, you know, front office shakeups. And uh, I think that's sort of why they're backed into a corner a little bit. I do think that we should be careful about not lumping Wall, Beal, and Porter together into this conversation in terms of trade assets. Because when I look at a guy like John Wall, I mean, to me, he's got negative trade value right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you're, you're basically giving him away. And uh, that's not a reaction just to how he's played to start the season. I mean, obviously, the leadership has been very, very questionable there. But I think there's red flags all over the place with this guy. I mean, his defensive commitment is awful at this point, you know, night to night, play to play. When he's off the ball, he's basically doing nothing for you. Um, I think, you know, his best athleticism days are sort of, uh, you know, obviously are already behind him. And he hasn't really elevated a lot of their role players there. You know, a couple of years ago, he did help get auto paid, but he's sort of had this, you know, my turn, your turn thing going on with Beal. Their, their most successful role player to me, it was Sadoransky and it was last year and he broke up and he broke out, you know, no coincidence when, you know, Wall is out injured. Right. And so, you know, to me, if you're a team that's sort of trying to say, hey, are we going to make a Blake Griffin like, you know, play for a John Wall and really make him our franchise guy? I don't know who would would be interested in trying to do that. I mean, I think even teams like Orlando and Phoenix, who are desperate for point guards, would have a really hard time talking themselves into this guy, given not only the red flags I mentioned earlier, but obviously also his major contract there that runs for years and years at you know upwards of forty million dollars by the end of it. Yeah, I mean, let's let's talk about it. Like, where do we think? a guy like John Wall can go. And I want to talk about all this, uh, all these guys. I want to talk about Wall, I want to talk about Beal, and I want to talk about Porter. Like, hypothetically, if they were, all three of those guys were to get moved, where would be, maybe not the most likely landing spot, because there's really not a way for us to know that, but maybe just our preferred landing spot. Like, where would we want to watch John Wall? Perf- me, I don't want to watch John Wall really anywhere, so let's just bury him <laughs> on League Pass. I think he would be an awful fit in Phoenix. I think he would ruin Devin Booker's development. But I don't watch Phoenix a whole lot anyway, so just throw them there. I don't care. Um, maybe Orlando? Yeah. Like, I maybe? No, I think it's Phoenix. And, I mean, first of all, they've got no real GM there. I guess James Jones is sort of, you know, playing mm-hmm. that role. I mean, that's who I – if I was Ernie, that would be my first call, and I would make it a daily call. Because anytime you've got a first-time GM and you can kind of distract him with the star power, you know, that's a really good way to unload guys. I mean – how many uh, times kind of has James story. Jones beaten John Wall in the playoffs, though? Not James Jones, but a James Jones team. Like, I feel like several. Yeah, well, that's true. Maybe he's got the scouting report. He you know he's smart enough to stay away. But, I mean, usually you, you want to try to get those GMs who are looking for the splashy move. But, you know, there's also the issue of his trade kicker, right? And I think that's mm-hmm. pretty prohibitive here. I'm almost wondering whether they're stuck with him this season, basically until next summer, uh, no matter what, not only because we can't really come up with a good landing spot, uh, you know, other than really Phoenix is a team that has a big need and, and would maybe be able to kind of gamble on it. But there's just a lot of really good point guards out there. When you look around the league, I mean, how many teams do you think have point guards right now on their rosters who are going to be better than John Wall in three years? And I think, you know, 20 plus teams could tell themselves that they have that. Yeah, I'm not going to go as far as to say John Wall can't. I, I just I feel like because of his name, he's got star power. 
you know, there could be another Detroit Pistons team out there that says, you know what, even if he's not super great, he's got a reputation, at least he could sell tickets. Heck, maybe the, the, maybe Detroit will trade for him. Um, you know, Reggie Jackson and some young players and picks for John Wall, like maybe they'll talk themselves into it. They still haven't filled that arena um, all the way up. David, is there somewhere that you see as a, as a preferred landing spot for John Wall or, or at least one that makes sense? No, not for Wall, to be honest with you. I think, as Ben said, he's got negative trade value, that contract, that attitude, and his diminished playing skills. Uh, he's just not as valuable a player as he once was. Uh, I don't see any realistic fit for him. Even those teams, you know, Orlando or, or Phoenix that are looking for point guard help, wouldn't really sacrifice anything to, to add John Wall. He's not a, a John Weltman type of guy in Orlando, so I just don't see that fit there. I actually see Bradley Beal, maybe perhaps selfishly, you know, being close to Orlando. I could see Beal being a good fit in Orlando, to be honest with you. I think you could package Evan Fournier and maybe Jonathan Isaac to kind of clear up that log jam in the front court, from the front court. And then maybe acquire a guy like Bradley Beal, who's a much more capable playmaker than anybody else on their roster. And he gives them some scoring punch that they're currently lacking. And I, I think he'd fit in pretty well there. Uh, as for Wall, though, no, I don't see it. I, I just I think his days are done, to be honest with you. Well, let's talk about Let me about ask it. you, uh, Go ahead. real quick on Wall, though. I, I saw there's been you know rumors, hey, Miami, they might want to just like you no. know end the Goran Dragic experience. Is that just a non-starter for you guys? Absolutely. For, uh, for me, absolutely not. No, thank you. Please don't let that happen. I... <laughs> I really don't want to have to watch John Wall for the rest of my life with that contract. Um, and that's what I'm saying. If that's your personal reaction when you've got sort of a vested stake, isn't that a really bad sign for his trade market? Because don't you think there's like 27 other fan bases right now at least who are feeling the same way? You know, ever since launching the podcast, people have been asking me for advice. And usually it's what team to bet on this week. And the truth is, I don't know who's going to win. But if you think that you know, you've got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are the best bet this season. They've been in business for years. They have a great reviews online. Their mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. I'd only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win. They pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim that bonus and let them know that you came from us. You play, you win, you get paid. Let's talk about Beal, though, because he's obviously 25 years old. He's the better wizard. A ton of trade value. His game is custom-made for today's NBA Um, and could probably break out somewhere else where he doesn't have to do, like you said, Ben, that your turn, my turn thing. I think you could put him on the ball even more than he is right now, and he can really thrive somewhere. Uh, David, you mentioned Orlando. Ben, is there somewhere that you want to see Beal play? Uh, there's a couple of spots. So what bothers me about Beal is that he's in an environment right now that kind of caters to all of his worst instincts, right? So like he can kind of be pouty and moody and kind of fight for control of the offense, right? And then often when he's not fully engaged, he just gets back into that bad habit of, of settling for tough twos rather than going downhill 
or, or you know, getting those three pointers off the dribble, obviously the higher efficiency shots. So I want him to go to, to places that would play fast and really emphasize sort of three pointers or could use his three point shooting ability to sort of bring out the best in him. And so I look at a couple young teams, whether it's like the Brooklyn Nets or the Sacramento Kings, where I think both of those those teams could obviously they need to take a next step and are maybe looking for like maybe a franchise or a foundational type player. Uh, you know, I, I always thought the the Wall Beal thing should work really well if Wall was playing up to his full capabilities. You can maybe mimic that, uh, you know, with a De'Aaron Fox in, in Sacramento, mm-hmm. and that would also allow Sacramento potentially to move Buddy Heald, uh, you know, back to a bench, uh, you know, a bench role, which I think that's sort of. Uh, maybe the, the best possible fit for him. And then in Brooklyn, it's kind of a similar deal. I mean, everybody knows how they play. They want to be exciting. They want to get up and down. They've got Russell there as sort of a lead ball handler. Could you drop Beal into that backcourt? Uh, and obviously, it would be a big upgrade from sort of uh, their other guys now that Levert's been hurt. Um, you know, I, those, those are like sort of my dream fits in terms of style. Now, do those teams have the pieces to put together a trade for him? I guess that remains to be seen. The Lakers seem like a pretty good option. They're a fast-paced team. They could move KCP in exchange for him, couldn't they? That seems fair. Yeah. I, I mean, I think they'd have to put together a few different pieces. But for the Lakers, like, I mean, their targets are like Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis, right? So I think that everything with, with a player like Beal has to be looked at through that lens of does it compromise uh, what their plans would be for next summer in terms of flexibility? Um, you know, I think that's sort of weighing over of what they were trying to do. And also... I mean, let's be honest. LeBron's got the ball in his hands an awful lot. I mean, he's orchestrating a lot for the Lakers. I mean, he's turned Lonzo into basically a spot-up shooter. You know, right. Brandon Ingram has sort of struggled to find the fit alongside LeBron. That's a difficult job right now. I understand why Kyrie Irving might have gotten a little sick of that in Cleveland over these last couple of years because, uh, you know, you're really only eating after LeBron's sort of decided whether or not, he, you know, he, he's basically controlling how much food you get on a given night. And, uh, for a guy like Beal, who obviously I think he he views himself as a, a perennial all-star and a franchise-type player, you know, I I think the basketball fit is good, but I wonder ego and personality fit might be uh, might be a question there. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard the Lakers thing a lot, and and you're right. I just I don't think I don't see them pulling the trigger on it only because you know they're trying their their next their target is next summer, and then you know Beal, yeah, like he's a, he's an additional scorer and everything like that, but. He's not great defensively, and I think you really got to try to surround LeBron with three and D guys, and not mis- and, and not kind of repeat those same mistakes that Cleveland did, and just kind of get you know pairing them with guy like other stars who aren't strong defensive players. And I you know if you're if you're the Lakers, I think you can afford to be a little bit more patient, especially if you didn't want to move guys like Lonzo or Ingram for you know a potential Kawhi or Jimmy Butler package. I don't see the reason why you would do it for Beal. Um, uh, hey, another question for you guys. What about the Clippers? I mean, on the subject of L.A., would Beal fit there? I mean, Avery Bradley's kind of been banged up. They've got a lot of different contracts that are potentially flexible to move. You know, they've been playing really well. And again, it's a team that plays hard, plays together. You know, they're much less uh, egotistical than they were in previous seasons. I mean, these guys, you know, really seem to like each other and have a good locker room vibe. Could Beal maybe thrive for them? Well, isn't the the same questions that you have about the Lakers applicable to the Clippers as far as maintaining flexibility for future moves? I mean, I I know they see themselves as a potential player for Kawhi Leonard or Kevin Durant, but maybe if that's unrealistic, would they still want to tie in any kind of financial capabilities on a guy like Beal? Yeah, I guess it comes down to what they're hearing from these guys, right? Like if you're starting to get feelers that, okay, we are actually in the mix. Okay, let's be careful. But if you're just picking up the Lakers sloppy seconds or whoever else's sloppy seconds in free agency, 
you know, maybe they're they're more motivated to to take the move now. I don't know. Yeah, I don't see the fit for for them either because they're not really desperate to make. They're not in a win now mo- um, um, situation as as impressive as they've been so far. They're kind of being more patient and taking the long view. And Beal's not so great where you would just sort of you know scrap that plan to go get him. You know, he's a great he's an all star level type player, but I don't think he's necessarily that great. Um, I like Indiana just for one last team. I think the the Pacers. They're a team that has a lot of expiring contracts. Maybe could be like they'll have the cap space to be players in free agency, but let's be real, like no free agents picking Indiana over like two LA teams and a New York and two New York teams that are all are gonna have cap space. Um can you and and as far as young pieces to move in a Beal thing, they've got a, they've got Miles Turner, they've got Sabanis there. I don't know if those two necessarily mesh together on the floor and you you might get to a point eventually where you have to pick one or the other. Do you try to move one of them plus some of these expiring contracts for Bradley Beal? If I'm in the end, I'm at least calling Ernie Grunfeld and offering it because I think you put Beal next to Victor Oladipo and bam, you've got two stars in that backcourt that you can build around and you can kind of ha- have either of, you know, I think they can play off each other pretty well. Pretty well. Beal can handle the bar- ball, Oladipo can handle the ball and then Depot, of course, can just take the, be- uh, the, the more challenging defensive assignment on that end of the floor. A similar concept, but different conference. What about Utah? You know, what if Utah is saying, mm-hmm. hey, let's have Donovan Mitchell and Bradley Beal as our locked-in backcourt of the future, and mm-hmm. we've got a, a locked-in center with Gobert, and then you can, you know, revolve the three and four spots as you go to try to, like, you know, maybe inject a little bit more offense. I mean, to me, Utah is in danger a little bit here this season of getting left behind, you know, during the offensive uh, revolution. I mean, pace is way up scoring his way up you know they're kind of hovering around 500 right now and on some nights they look really really ugly offensively uh you know could that be another similar idea to indiana where you know maybe utah can offer back some proven vets uh you know or or potentially future draft picks you know feeling like they can part with some future assets knowing that they they would pretty much have their core in place if if they did make a move like that it's kind of funny that we we're, we talked about possible landing spots for John Wall, and we're just sort of scraping the bottle of the bar- the bottom of the barrel of league pass. And then when it comes to Bradley Beal, we're basically going through every NBA team. Like, wow, every team it turns out can use like, a twenty five year old three point uh, shooter who can do a whole bunch of things offensively. Turns out those guys are valuable. Um, yeah, but he's got some questions too. He needs to really pick it up defensively. One of my pet theories is player tanking, and it's been happening whether it's like you know. Uh, Kawhi and San Antonio, these guys just like almost purposefully play, uh, play below their actual value when they get into situations where they want to, you know, make a move. I mean, Jimmy Butler is like the classic take, uh, you know, example of this for how he got out of Minnesota. To me, it's the same deal with Beal. Like, I don't feel like he's even been like the B version of himself. Like, I would give him a C or a C minus for this season. I mean, I think he's been a part of the problem in. Uh, in Washington. And so to me, I, I think that may impact his trade value. I think a lot of teams would be interested in, in talking themselves into kind of revitalizing his career. Uh, but if I was trading for him, I would definitely want to have some assurances. Like this isn't the real you, right? Like you've been really unhappy for the last six months because otherwise, how do you explain how you've played? Uh, we're going to have a hard time explaining how Kemba Walker has played. He's been so good. But before we talk about Kemba Walker, let's check in, check in on the other scores from the night, David. Well, the Celtics had Gordon Hayward come off the bench. Still wasn't enough to knock off Walker and the Hornets, who won 117-112 over Boston. The Pistons pulled out a victory, 113-102 over the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Pacers, 121 over Utah, 94. 
Uh, Philadelphia, now 3-1 and one with Jimmy Butler, won 119 over the Phoenix Suns, 114. The Clippers, 127 over the Hawks, 119. The Grizzlies continue to roll with a 98-88 win over the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks pulling out a big win over the Denver Nuggets, 104-98. The Pelicans pulled out one over San Antonio, 140-126. And the Kings knocked off the Oklahoma City Thunder, 117-113. It's time for True or False. Let's start in Charlotte, where Kemba Walker is hot after putting up 60 points a couple of nights ago. He hung 43 in a win against the Celtics, and he scored 103 total points in the last two games. Kemba is now leading the league in scoring with 29.5 points per game. True or false, Kemba Walker is the best guard in the Eastern Conference. Let's start with you, Ben. Ooh, that's uh, that's interesting. I mean, he's playing the best right now. I mean, I definitely wouldn't take him number one uh, overall, I think, in a vacuum. I mean, I think point guard, you've got a little bit of a conversation. But I mean, are you throwing like the Jimmy Butlers of the world into that discussion? Uh, You know, if so, then I'd probably go a different direction. But no, I mean, I think he is right in line. Like, I don't know if you guys saw like ESPN released their real plus minus. And all of these offensive-minded guards who have been kind of held back with questions about their defense maybe in years past are all, like, rocketing up the list of real plus-minus this year, which I think reflects, uh, you know, the the changing nature of the game, at least here through the first, you know, month or two. And the game is just going right into Kemba Walker's sweet spot, right? I mean, a small guard scoring deep range, can get his three-pointer off the dribble, can go to the basket, draw contact, benefits from the tighter foul call rules. I mean, all that stuff is going right in his direction. And I mean, you'd like to be able to say some of these same things about a Kyrie Irving, uh, or even, you know, potentially a John wall, if he was playing up to his par. But I think right now at that point guard spot, uh, it's, it's him and maybe Kyle Lowry, right in the Eastern conference. So is that true? (laughs) I'm putting you on the spot. No, I'm I'm saying false. I would rather have Jimmy Butler in a vacuum than Kemba Walker, but I'll say true. He's playing the best in the Eastern conference for the start of the season to date. David, what do you think? I think Ben's uh, being lukewarm on that kind of hot take there. I think he needs to go and say true because Kemba Walker has definitely been the most fun player. Maybe not the best, but he's been the most fun to watch. He's really, really enjoyable. Uh, The step back threes, the quickness, everything that he's brought to the table so far this season has been phenomenal to watch. Um, I I don't know that you can compare him to any other player right now in the league, perhaps. Maybe he's right up there with his Steph Curry. Uh, you know, he, he's been phenomenal offensively. The defensive uh, issues, you know, who cares? I mean, honestly, nobody watches for defense. Uh, and the reality is that he's just been a lot of fun to watch offensively. I think he's the best player in the Eastern Conference. What's cra- I care. I always <laughs> care. <laughs> What's crazy with Kemba right now, and it's not even his fault, but if his teammates were just a little bit better, the Hornets would be in the playoffs and probably have a much better record than what they're at now, which is basically 500, or they are 500 after this night. And uh, and so he can't really be in, in the MVP conversation, but he's putting up those stats. It's like not beca- yeah. it's not because of him. It's just because his team's just not nearly good enough for him to be in that conversation. But he's playing as well as anybody in the league right now. Like if and we we didn't even mention Charlotte as a potential destination for Bradley Beal. I mean, are they do they have enough pieces to to? I mean, I know it's a divisional rival or whatnot, but if they were to acquire Bradley Beal, they'd be all mm-hmm. in on a playoff push this year. That seems like a pretty good fit alongside Walker. Absolutely. 
All right, let's move yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, when you were watching that game the other night when he had 60, though, to your point about his his cast, how often when somebody else took a shot did you just shake your head and cover your eyes and just like, what are you doing? Please give the ball back to Kemba. Like, he outscored all of his teammates, and I, I felt like he should have outscored all of his teammates combined by even more because down the stretch, these guys were barely even hitting the rim. And at some point, you feel sorry for him, and you kind of wonder, is he going to be the guy – where next summer, like or free agency talk and trade talk and all that, is that really going to heat up if he keeps playing this well? David, he kind of has the like the Hornets have the opposite problem as our, as the Miami Heat right now is like he's the only guy, and the Heat just have too many guys and not one just guy. You know, it's just like, <laughs> if you put Kemba Walker on the Heat, which would be a great idea, let's make that happen. Um, then maybe Kemba is in the MVP conversation, and the Heat are good. I don't know. Uh, after starting the season 9-1, and one, the Nuggets have lost six of their last seven, including a Monday night loss, to the Milwaukee Bucks. After leading as much as 16 points at, at one point in the first half, true or false, it's time to be concerned about the Nuggets. Ben, let's start with you. I say false. I mean, they have not played well. They're definitely inconsistent. But look, I mean, don't get upset about losing a game to Milwaukee at Milwaukee. I mean, the Bucks. Are in the conference. Here's a hot take for you, David. The Bucks are the the Bucks are the best team in the NBA right now. Period. I mean, especially with Steph Curry injured, but they've been phenomenal. Their point differential is off the hook. I mean, they've been great protecting home court. They've got a bunch of quality wins. Giannis is playing unbelievable. Their offensive system makes sense, and they're always in games, even when they get down big. Like you said, um, you know, Wes, in terms of the the first half deficit, they just trust their shooters, and it's like, okay, go out there, just keep jacking threes, and eventually. You're going to get back in the game. They've had a couple of big comebacks like that. I think they're actually the, the the best second quarter team in the league by like a gigantic margin. They're out scoring teams by an average of six points in the second quarter. So you know maybe they, they got some slow starts every once in a while. This team is the real deal. I mean, I think we need to be talking a lot more about them as a potential final sleeper. Um, and you know, don't don't uh, bang on the Nuggets too much for this one. Wow, you're you're really confident after they've gone one and six in the last seven games. They must have shown you a lot that you like. Uh, David, uh, true or false, are you concerned with the Nuggets? No, I'm not. It's November. It's still early. They're working through whatever issues they have. Of, of those six games, that they, or of the number of games that they've lost recently, two have been to the Bucks. They've lost to the Pelicans and Rockets. The only aberration there is perhaps a loss to the Nets. Uh, other than that, though, I mean, they, they are still trying to figure out a, a path to the to the playoffs there. And I, I think they'll figure it out eventually. They've got enough talent. I think they're well coached. I think they'll they'll be able to hammer out these issues. And again, it's just November. Let's not weigh too much about what they're doing right now. If they're going through a, a rough patch, I trust that they'll be able to figure it out eventually. I'm I'm not I'm not extremely concerned, but my. My radar's up a little bit. I just, look, this is a team that's in the bottom five in defensive rating over these last seven games, um, but in the top ten in offensive rating, so basically what they were last year. So it's not, like, you can win that way. They proved that last season. Uh, But you were trying, like, after the start of the season, we thought that they were going to, you know, make a lot of progress on the defensive end. And I do feel like teams have started to figure them out a little bit, and I do think that there's also an inherent disadvantage, as good as Jokic is and has been, when the point guard of your offense basically plays center, so you, if you can't get him the ball, I think at times their offense tends to bog down a little bit. And I, but I, I trust Mike Malone enough to figure it out. I'm not concerned. I'm just, I think that they've got some adjustments that they have to make. Is all I'm saying. If they're really going to be major contenders in the conference, it's that time for our favorite game here on Locked On NBA Tuesdays. It's called Serial or Not Serial, where we break down the biggest games of the night and decide whether or not. They're good enough to enjoy with a delicious bowl of cereal. If you're excited to watch the game, then it's cereal. If not, 
not cereal. Let's get to our first game, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Toronto at Orlando. Ben, cereal or not cereal? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I guess I would go cereal. I mean, I, I think mostly because Orlando has been playing surprisingly well. I think that they've kept their head above water here earlier in the season longer than they have uh, in, in recent years. And, you know, DJ Augustin's another one of these small guards who's had a pretty good start to the season. Uh, they've got a good thing going for once down there for the Magic. So I'll show them a little love and say, watch their game tomorrow night. David. Yeah, I've got to agree there. I think it's cereal. I'll be there, so I'll be covering it regardless. Oh. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it should be a fun one to watch. I'm curious to see how uh, Orlando is able to match up with a team as good as Toronto and see if they're they're really a legitimate team. I know they've been playing well defensively. Um, Evan Fournier has struggled, which is why I think a package for Bradley Beal would work very well. But if he could just score a little bit more than his below average output right now, they should be a pretty good team. I'm not sure I'm ready to pencil them into the playoffs just yet, but for now, they're still somewhat fun to watch. Aaron Gordon's been playing very well. Uh, despite the the woes at point guard, uh, Clifford has them at a very high level, and I, I'm curious to see how that shakes up against Toronto. So are you bringing your cereal to the arena? Like, Are they going to let you in with that? Oh, yeah. I, I've got a stash already set aside there, so it's perfect. Yeah, this is media dining, media <laughs> dining room for sure. <laughs> this is definitely cereal. I mean, first of all, to me, any Toronto game at this point is cereal. I love watching them, um, especially on the nights where Kawhi decides to play. So uh, hopefully this is going to be one of those nights and it should be a fun game against uh, Orlando's length. It'll be pretty interesting. Uh, what, the other 7 p.m. game, Clippers at Washington. If we haven't talked about Washington enough, Ben, cereal or not cereal? Uh, I'm going to say not cereal on this one just because I saw the Wizards and Clippers play in L.A. already and once was plenty. Uh, you know, we got the the dramatic Austin Rivers tribute video at the Staples Center followed by like a five-minute post-game press conference where he used up all of his best material in front of the L.A. media. So I think I'm good. You know, call me once the trades are done. <laughs> David? Yeah, I... I'm going to go serial on this one because I'm hoping that now with the report finally being made public that trades are available, I, I, I want to see them just completely discombobulate on the floor. It could happen, and maybe the Clippers might run roughshod on this really bad Wizards team, and you might see one of those implosions out on the floor. Uh, for that and only that, is is this a game worth watching? Um, but if, if they're playing harmoniously bad, as I expect them to be, then there's a good chance you, you could turn it off and watch the Orlando game instead. Yeah, this is this is not serial for me, especially when the Orlando and, and Raptors game is happening um, at the same time. But somebody just send me the highlight um, when Brad Beal is just kind of like scooting up against uh, um, Jerry West on the sideline and just and try, just trying to sweet talk him a little bit and, and tell him how, and show him how charming and how great of a talented player he is. Um, just send me the highlight when it's done. Seven thirty p.m. Eastern Time, Brooklyn at Miami. Ben, serial, not serial. I hate to do this to you guys. I'm going to say not cereal. I mean, I'm not sure. Maybe you can sell me on the heat, but what's going nope. on down there? Nope. 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 We can't sell you. <laughs> Our podcast has been getting more and more depressed lately, and uh, it, it's it's really bad. Uh, there's no clear identity there. Nobody's ready to step up. Josh Richardson's okay, despite the, the, the you know tossing of shoes into the stands. He's frustrated. We're frustrated. Jimmy Butler fell through. There's nothing worth watching here. Look, they beat Brooklyn about a week ago, and that was fine. Uh, and it still wasn't inspiring in a, in a win. I can only imagine what will happen. Goran Dragic is not getting his knee drained. I, I don't know what to make of this team, to be honest with you. I don't think anybody does. It feels like it feels like the Heat play the Nets once a week, David. It's like this is like the seventh time they've played. I have no interest in watching it again. Just chalk it up as another Brooklyn win. Let's move on. 
Um, unfortunately, we both have to watch it because we have to do a stupid uh, recap on after. Um, just, just try to keep D'Angelo under fifty-one. Okay, That'll, that's that's a good, <laughs> good goal for you guys. Seven thirty p.m. Other final game of the night: Portland at the New York Knicks. Ah, this is a kind of a rough night here. Serial or not serial? I'm saying not serial, but I do think we should give credit to the Knicks management, who's been competent enough this season to keep themselves out of the John Wall rumors. That's mm-hmm. a phenomenal step forward for them. I, th- I feel like three years ago, we would have been immediately circling the Knicks as the dumbest team that would actually trade for John Wall. And we didn't even mention them once in this podcast. So I guess congratulations for that, but we're still not watching your team. Thank goodness <laughs> they don't have the uh, Joakim Noah expiring contract, because if they did, they would definitely be in every trade conversation. David, serial or not serial? No, I have to say it's not serial. I got to agree with Ben on this one. Uh, as much as I like watching Portland, uh, and then, you know, I haven't really seen much of the Knicks this season, although I don't think there's much of a reason to do so. Uh, and I'm not going to start now. So, uh, unfortunately, it's not serial. I love watching Damian Lillard. I love watching CJ McCollum. But there's like 81 other times I can watch them. So, this is going to be not serial for me. Um, guys, this might just be a night where. Go see a new movie. Go see the new Grinch movie. Like it's almost it's almost the holidays. Like just go do something with the family, friends. Just do something else. There's not a whole lot of great games on tonight. Not to disparage the games, but they kind of suck. Um, all right. Well, that's all we have for today. If you're not already, you could subscribe to Locked On NBA on iTunes and listen wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to catch Ben over at Sports Illustrated and of course the Open Floor Podcast. We'll be over at Locked On Heat for the rest of the week. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next Tuesday.